All right. Well, we are continuing our series we've been in for a while called Highways, um, talking about trying to catch God's vision. We're trying to go from various religious rules to catching on to what was God's plan with that. Why make the rule in the first place? And so uh, highways, catching God's vision. And the scriptures we're going off of, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's ways are higher than our ways. We want to trust in God's ways because they're higher than our ways uh, in a couple different respects. First, God's ways can be difficult for us to understand. Have you ever thought, I know God wants me to do this. I know the Bible says I should do this, but I think it would make more sense to do that. So that means that we don't understand. Now, the second thing is God's ways are higher than our ways and that God's ways are better than our ways. Amen. Amen. So God's ways are better than our ways. That means that we need to grab hold of the things of God and trust God's ways, even when we don't understand. A preacher that I like to listen to is named Keith Moore. Uh, he's down south, so I, I like southern preaching. It's, uh, it's good stuff. But uh, he talks about a revelation from God that he received many years ago. And this revelation from God was simply this. You ever had a revelation from God where something just made sense all of a sudden? Some. This was, this is where you'd shout, amen. Amen. All right. Very good. So uh, this individual, uh, he said he was sitting in his car and he had this revelation from God and it was this. God is smarter than me. That was the revelation. And he said, of course, he would have, he knew that ahead of time. If he was asked, are you smarter than God or is God smarter than you? He said, oh, God is smarter than me. But the, the thing that hit him was, God is smarter than me. So if God says this, he's going to be right. <laughs> if I think something different, he's smarter than me. If I want to go this way, but God says go that way, he's smarter than me. He's got it figured out. He knows how it's supposed to work. God is smarter than me. And that allows us then to have faith because faith trusts God when we don't understand. And there are many things in the scriptures that we don't understand. And so we want to trust God, but we don't want to walk in the dark. We don't want to be just in blind faith. We want to have some sense of what's going on. And that's what Jesus described in John chapter 15, when he called his disciples, his friends, he said, a, a friend knows their, you know, their master's business was in this case. He says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends because everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. So Jesus made the things known to his disciples, and he called them friends, meaning they're starting to catch on to what's going on. They're starting to, to get it. And we want to get God. We want to be a friend of God. And so we want to learn God's ways because it's a lot easier to follow the ways of God when you get it than when you have to try to remember. Now, am I supposed to murder people or not? You know, I can't remember. Let me go check the Bible. But if you can tell in your heart that it's not right to murder people, then it's a lot easier. And so when we start to catch it, that's when we start getting some victory. 
Last time we talked about being a good and faithful servant and how important it is to serve diligently in the kingdom of God. A few points we talked about last week was that we serve God through the church. We don't serve the church. We serve God in many ways. One of those ways is through the church. The church's job is to give us opportunities to serve God, but we are not to serve the church. We're to serve the Lord. If you feel like you're serving the church, then you're going to be disappointed because serving the church isn't worth it. But serving God is. And the church's job is to give us opportunities to serve through the church because there are things that are just a group effort. They're part of uh, part of that that we have to do together. Second things is um, fruitful labor brings joy, but fruitless labor brings discouragement. When we are laboring for the Lord, there are times where we feel like nothing's getting done, but there are things getting done. And then there are times where we feel like nothing's getting done because nothing is getting done. And so we want to be diligent, not get discouraged in the dry times, but also reevaluate so that we can see how we can do things better. Then we talked about um, getting your life under control because it's hard to be a good and faithful servant. It's hard to serve others when your life is not in control. So we've got to get our lives under control. And then lastly, many hands make light work, but burnout is rampant. Amen. Many hands make light work, but burnout is rampant. Don't hang your friends out to dry who are serving the Lord. Serve together with them. Don't don't just leave them there to carry extra burdens. Many hands make light work. So let's work together. All right. This week, no lies. We're going to talk about truth. So let's pray. We'll get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this moment right now. I thank you, Lord, that uh, that you've got a good plan, that you've got things you want to see happen. And Lord, we just yield to you and we ask for your will to come forth. Father, I know each one of us in here is dealing with different things and we need a different touch from you. And so I pray that by your Holy Spirit, that that uh, you would just touch us with what we need right now, Lord, and that we would be able to receive good things from you so that we can believe in you better, so that we can serve you more effectively, so that we can walk in your ways just a little bit better. So bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. No lies. Our God is the God of truth. We must live in the truth if we are going to follow Christ. Amen. It's uh, Peter described Christianity as the way of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is about truth. It's about speaking truth. It's about being true. Let's look at some scriptures. There are many, many potential references, but uh, speaking the truth is important enough that it made the Ten Commandments. You know, that's just right up there. So uh, Exodus twenty sixteen, commandment number nine, thou shalt not give false testimony against your neighbor. So don't speak lies tell the truth couple other couple other references here uh, to get a feel for god's opinion towards truth versus lies proverbs 6 16 through 19 there are six things the lord hates seven that are detestable to him six things the lord hates seven that he detests so might we want to pay attention to this list So that we could avoid these things and not cause uh, ourselves to have a problem with God. 
And God is going to hate these things for good reason, right? He's not just arbitrary. Like he doesn't like polka dots or something like that. It's not arbitrary. He likes things because they're good. He doesn't like things because they're bad. He sees deep into things. So there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable. Let's read this list. Verse 17, haughty eyes. That's pride and looking down on other people. A lying tongue. There it is. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Did you see one that was in there twice? Lies is in there twice. Six things, how about seven? Let's say one of them twice. Because it needs a little special impact, a little, a little extra emphasis. Lies is in there twice. Then Revelation 21, 6 through 8, starts out with some good news. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Anybody thirsty? Amen. Let's receive from the spring of the water of life. The opportunity has been given to us without cost. Jesus has paid the price. Hallelujah for that. Verse 7. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Who overcomes what? What do we need to overcome? Unbelief, the darkness of this world, the evil of this world, we overcome that. We overcome darkness. Verse 8. But the cowardly, here's a list of darkness. The cowardly, that wouldn't be put on most of our lists, but we'll talk about that another day. God doesn't like cowards. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And all liars. Extra emphasis on that. This all in all liars is half of the word whosoever in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's all whoever's. This is all liars. Is this important? We must be people of truth if we are going to follow the way of truth. If we are going to follow the God of truth. If we are going to hear the spirit of truth, we must be people of truth. So, we're going to look at four ways that we want to be people of truth. First, by the way, having a good time today? Feeling good? All right. Excellent. We want to keep smiling. If this is hitting you really hard, just keep smiling. Amen. There you go. All right. So first way that we are to be people of truth is we we need to speak truth. We need to speak truth. Now, um, why do people tell lies or believe lies? It's a variety of reasons. Did you know that there are people who speak truth? When I met my would-be wife, I was not a Christian. She was a Christian. And 
She did not lie to her parents. I had not met anyone who didn't lie to their parents. I did not grow up in a Christian home. It was just part of the natural reality. They want to believe a particular thing. I want to live a particular life. And the uh, untruths in between made everybody happy. So why not do that? It seemed very simple. However, she did not lie to her parents. And she was uh, the whole truth and nothing but the truth kind of a person. So her mom would ask her questions like, is there anything you need to tell me? And she'd be like, well, you know, there's this and this and this. (laughs) And she'd just say everything. I got to tell you, it keeps a young man straight. When when the mom is going to know everything. You know, the enemy works his best in the dark. Amen. When things are hidden, when things are covered up, the enemy does his work. However, when things are in the light, when things are in the open, it's very difficult for the enemy to work. And so this truth that my, uh, my girlfriend, who had become my wife, which, by the way, tomorrow is our anniversary, 26 years tomorrow. Yeah. We'll be celebrating 17 years of wedded bliss on our 26th anniversary. It's going to be fantastic. So... We figure anything more than 50% is pretty good. But (laughs) so why do people tell lies? Why do people believe lies? What are some reasons for that? Well, to get what you want, to manipulate people, to get out of trouble, to please people. You know, you say something they want to hear. People tell lies in order to fit in, to not appear stupid. I don't like looking stupid to justify yourself, to win an argument, to hurt people, telling lies to hurt someone's feelings is a deep evil. People lie out of fear. People lie to cover insecurity. People lie for a lot of different reasons. We must be people of truth. We must speak the truth. Have you ever been in a situation, though, where you knew speaking the truth wouldn't go very well? Where telling the truth would be a problem. It would be an issue. And so there's more to it than just speaking the truth. There's a depth to this that we have to get to to understand how to live in truth. Because if you're in an environment where you can't speak the truth, then truth isn't going to be part of what's going on. And that's one of the unfortunate uh, problems with church culture sometimes is that you've got to put on a front. You've got to pretend to have it more together than you really do in order to be able to fit in. And that's a disaster in the church world because then we've strayed from truth. And here's the reality. Everybody's messed up. Everybody's a people. Somebody like last week, I think somebody just assumed, well, it would sure be great to have a wonderful marriage like you and your wife. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. You really want that. Um, Everybody's a person, right? 
We're all people. We've all got issues. We all have stuff that we battle with. We've all got pride and insecurity and confusion and issues and all this stuff. Well, let's not pretend because then the enemy can work in the dark. But we have to have an environment where you're then not uh, excluded because you're the only one admitting to something that everybody else is doing anyway. (laughs) Right? You've got to have an environment where people can speak, where people can be accepted in the midst of whatever they're going through. And so it's not just about being able to speak the truth. It's about having an environment where the truth can be heard. So that is our second step. We have to be able to speak the truth, but we also need to be able to hear the truth. Isn't it sometimes more difficult to be willing to hear the truth than to just speak the truth? Have you ever had somebody speak truth to you that you didn't want to hear? Now, before we get too deep into this, let me say, if you're speaking truth, you still have to do it nicely. You know? You still have to do it nicely because there's head knowledge and there's heart knowledge, right? There's head truth and there's heart truth. And we can speak head truth. We can also speak heart truth. And this is described in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read a few verses here in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 14. Now let's look at this as the end goal. Wouldn't this be fantastic? Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Have you ever felt like your life is out of control, like external forces are pushing you around, like you believe this one day, you hear one teacher, you believe something else, and life is just, you're just moving around. That's not what God wants. He wants stability for us. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this is talking about the church, the body of Christ, the believers, you know, worldwide even coming together, being part of one thing and becoming mature and stable. But this happens when we speak the truth in love to one another. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him that is the head that is Christ. So we speak the truth in love. That means that when I speak, I speak truth, but I also speak love. Two different things, both very, very valuable to God. We can speak the truth in hate. We can speak the truth to hurt people. We can speak the truth in ways that aren't love. We are to speak the truth in love. And that will cause us to be able to speak properly, speak in a life-giving way, but we also need to be able to hear. So let's talk about hearing the truth a little bit. What stops people from being able to hear the truth? Well, I got a, I got a list of things. I think there's a whole bunch of them. Pride. You know, you can't be corrected because you're right. So you can't hear the truth. What's the result of that? If I, in my pride, can't be corrected so I can't hear the truth, then I'm doomed to believe things that aren't true. I'm doomed to believe lies. Why would I, in my pride, want to have the end result be I believe things that aren't true? It's a disaster. Be correctable. Be teachable. 
Very important to be able to hear the truth. Insecurity is another reason why people can't hear the truth. It's being unable to face the truth. Being insecure in who we are so that looking at the truth can crush us. We don't want to be crushed, so we don't look. Can't face the truth. You can't hear it, so then you're doomed to believe lies just as much as pride. Those two things are very dangerous. If you can't face the truth, you're never going to get your balance in life. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to be always off balance because you can't look at what's really going on. You know, if you're walking in a, in a path in the woods and you close your eyes and walk, it's not going to work very well. You've got to look at it. We've got things in life. We've got to look at them. Understand God's with you. You don't have to be afraid. Look and see. And the dangerous thing in that is, uh, is the second level mistake. So I've been reading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, I don't know if people have read that. Uh, the, the title, I thought, well, this is going to be a terrible, terrible book. But people keep talking about it. So I thought, well, maybe I'll read it. So I decided to read it. And actually, it's turned out to be pretty good. Um, I'm impressed with it. So I would encourage people to read that. But uh, at one point, he's talking about a second level mistake. We all make mistakes, right? But then we can cover up those mistakes, pretend we didn't make the mistakes, justify our mistakes, you know, downplay what's going on. And then we have a second level mistake, which is we don't get to learn from our other mistakes. And we are doomed to repeat those mistakes. So we, we don't face reality. So then we're doomed to repeat our problems. We're stuck in our cycle. We can't get out. So when we make a mistake, when we don't understand something, when we're goofing something up, if we face it, deal with it, then we can progress. But if we don't, we'll never get out. So we don't want to, out of insecurity, make that second level mistake. Other reasons why people can't hear the truth is because they're pretending. I see this a lot with parents. My kid's perfect in every way. Yeah. My parents thought I was a great kid and I was nice enough. You know what I mean? But they wanted to believe something that just wasn't exactly true. And a lot of times as parents, you know, my little baby now is 18. You know, they all get old. It's amazing stuff. But when they're just this precious little innocent little thing, you just sort of assume that for the rest of their lives. Precious little innocent little thing, you know. But then they grow up and they start living life like everybody else, right? And so we don't want to pretend that our kids aren't human beings too. Just like we are, just like everybody else is. We don't want to pretend. There's a lot of different ways that we can be pretending. You know, uh, I think go chase your dreams, amen? But if my dream was to play in the NBA, I better get real. Because it's not going to happen. You know what? I'm 48 years old and I got an eight inch vertical, you know, it's just, it's not going to work. So sometimes we've got to know the difference between a reality. That's a pretend reality versus actually seeing what's possible. So we don't want to pretend, but if we're living in that fantasy, uh, in that denial, whatever it is, we're not going to be able to hear the truth. Uh, there's bias. Have you ever heard love is blind? It it can be very, very true. Can't hear the truth. 
going to believe things that are lies. Um, there's many forms of this that as we just prayed for the United States, there's a political form of this, you know, like, Oh, my party's right all the time. The other people are wrong all the time. Well, that's love is blind. It's a bias. People are people. There's all, there's a plenty of messed up out there for everybody. Right? So we want to be, uh, not biased. We want to look at what's true. Then we can hear the truth. We can see the truth, get a hold of it. Um, just being naive. I'm fortunate uh, to be able to go on missions trips. It's one of the great parts of pastoral ministry is being able to go overseas and see things that you otherwise wouldn't get to see. But so many times out of inexperience, we don't know what's really going on. And we, we can't picture it in our minds. We can't understand it. So we can't hear the truth. Not that we're opposed to it. You just can't see it, you know? And so just being naive and inexperienced can cause us to not be able to hear the truth. Then there's dogmatism. And that's the religious side of can't hear the truth. Can't look for truth. End up believing lies. We don't want to be so firm in our understanding that we're unwilling to look for truth and seek the Lord. Amen. I've been, how long have I been a Christian now? So if I've been married 26 years tomorrow, that'd be 29 years of being a believer. So, uh, I'm still learning things. I'm still discovering things about God. It isn't that we, you know, we learn four spiritual laws and we're good, you know, Leave me alone. Quit bothering me. Well, let's keep learning, keep growing, keep reevaluating. Many of the assumptions that we have are skewed. Let's not be dogmatic. Let's, let's be willing to hear the truth. When we do that and we speak the truth in love, we won't be blown this way and that by every wind of teaching, but we'll become solid because we've gotten to know the landscape and we'll be able to see through lies and deceitful scheming. So, We want to be able to speak the truth. We also need to be able to hear the truth. Then we must believe the truth. Have you ever believed a lie? Believing lies is rampant. I am fully convinced that all of us in here believe some lies, believe some things that aren't true. There are head lies. There's knowledge lies, you know, fact lies, and there's heart lies. There's, Attitude lies. There's emotional lies that you can believe. We don't want to believe lies. We don't want to believe that we're just not good enough, that we'll never amount to anything, that, that they're rotten human beings and should never be trusted. There's a variety of different lies that we believe. A big lie that I believed as a new Christian was that I didn't belong. When I... When I when I became a Christian, I did not fit in in Christian circles. I just want to tell you that. Because uh, I, I didn't know you could really get in trouble for asking certain questions. You know, you ask certain questions, 
people get really mad at you and they think you're subversive and bad, you know, it's, it's very dangerous. So I didn't know that I'd ask these questions. And, and besides, you know, I tried to go to church and I didn't know what was going on. They all talked weird. You know, they've got their own little language that they use in the Christian world. And, and, uh, they stand up and sit down, they do these things. And then all of a sudden everybody's shaking hands and you don't know what's going on. And it was just, it was intimidating. They're singing songs. I don't know any of the songs. It's just, it was weird. And I really felt like I don't fit in. I don't understand these people. They're not my people. I don't belong. Now, let me ask you this. If you are a believer, do you belong? Yes, you do. You may be different. Now I'm like, well, hallelujah. I'm different and I've got a different role. You know, praise God. That's good. But we need to believe the truth. And that lie that I don't belong caused me to pull back. And the reality is I did belong. So I want to step in. I want to be part of what God's called me to do. What lies might you be believing? What head lies and what heart lies? Faith is a big part of believing the truth. Faith is huge. We want to walk by faith and trust that God is good and know that there's something good out there. Because when you start looking at reality, something can happen. And that is that you become calloused and jaded and just dark in your heart, right? You look at reality instead of the happy little naive thing that you thought reality was. You see all this darkness and you can become tainted. But the reality is, is there are good things out there in reality. And when we can see past the darkness, we can see into the light. Let's look at Titus 1, 15 and 16 and understand how big faith is in this. To the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. When your heart is pure, you can see the pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. So when you're corrupted in your heart, when you look at things, you see everything else as corrupted. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. Would you want to have a corrupted mind and conscience? No, this is bad. Who are these horrible people that are being talked about here in Titus? Look at verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. These are professing believers with corrupted minds and consciences. Is it possible to be a professing believer and have a corrupted mind and conscience? Oh, it's all over the place, right? I see that even in in pastors where they have a, a darkened heart towards what's going on because of the things that they've gone through. When I was a brand new pastor, new church planter, I had a ministry plan. You want to know what my ministry plan was? We are going to pray We're going to worship God. We'll preach the word. People will get saved and we'll work together and reach other people. That was the plan. That's a terrible plan. It's just, it's, it sounds great, but there's a whole lot more to it. You know, what about organizational structures and leadership dynamics? What about board and budget and bylaws? What about all this stuff? What about people who get mad at you and you tell them the truth? How are you going to guard your heart? What, how are you going to manage all these things and all this other stuff? And there's pastors who have seen all that other stuff and become jaded, become corrupted in their hearts. But let me tell you something. Once you conquer the bylaws and the budgets and the church boards, then you can get back to praying 
and worshiping God and preaching the word and people will get saved and we'll work together and we'll reach as much of the world as we can. Amen. So you got to conquer that other stuff, but there's a purity on the other side of conquering those things that we need to work through to get to. And that's true in many, many different parts of life. If you're at the stage where you're waking up to the darkness of this world, don't think that's all there is. There is beauty and there is light. There is glorious, wonderful things out there too. It's not all darkness. Have a pure heart of faith and you'll be able to see the good things. So we want to believe the truth. So speak truth, be able to hear truth, believe the truth, become firm on your foundation of believing the truth. Then we need to live the truth. We want to live it out. That's where the power is. John 8, 31 and 32. Now, once we believe the truth, it makes it a lot easier to live the truth. If you have a rule from God that you don't believe, it's hard to live it. You know you're supposed to, but you tend to not to, right? But once you believe it, then you can begin to live it. So John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So if you do it, you believe it, great, do it. And then if you do it, verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So for example, if you have something that you need to forgive and it's hard to do, if you fight the fight and go through the battle of freeing yourself through forgiveness, and maybe it takes you five years and you finally get there to where you truly can release it, and now you're free, you'll know what it feels like to have fought through that. You'll know what that freedom is like. But if you just know you're supposed to forgive, but that rotten, you don't know what they did to me. And you just carry that for the rest of your life. And you walk in that bitterness for the next 80 years. Well, you're not going to know what that freedom is like. You have to walk in it. You have to release it. And then you'll know freedom. Before that, you'll still be bound. You'll still be tied to what they did. Don't give them that power. Get yourself free. When we live the truth. That's where we grab hold of freedom. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. This is the first um, ushers as well. This is the first weekend of the month. So we take communion on the first weekend. Ushers go ahead and hand out the communion elements here at good hope. uh, If you would like to take communion, go ahead and take communion. You don't have to be a member or any of those, these sorts of things, but uh, you can pass if you don't want to receive communion. Here's the deal, though. If you're going to receive communion, make it real between you and God. Don't just do this because other people are. Go ahead and make it real between you and God. Then it's all good. Thank you. We're going to read one more section of Scripture as we close. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. Here's what this says. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So we serve a God who is good. We serve a God who is light, who there is no darkness in. What do you believe about your father in heaven? 
Do you believe he's angry and looking for an excuse to squash you? Do you believe that he wants to destroy people? What do you believe? You believe he's nitpicky. (laughs) Our God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. If we claim to be the people of God, and yet by our actions we deny him, if we walk in darkness, though we claim to be serving a God of light, then here in 1 John it says we lie and do not live by the truth. We want to live by the truth. How many people have walked in darkness? When you knew better. That's why I received communion. Next verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light, I, I love this verse and the way it's laid out because at the beginning of the verse, you may assume Well, walk in the light as he is in the light. That means absolute, total perfection. We've got to be perfect or God's going to get us. But what does it say? It says, we'll have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So we're in this process of purification. When we face our darkness and then we look at what the blood of Christ has done, then we make progress. And we're in the process of purification, the process of sanctification, the process of getting good at following Christ. But I tell you, it's the blood of Christ that makes that possible. Because in the shed blood of Christ is forgiveness. A lie you may have believed is that the blood of Christ is not sufficient for you. That what you've done is too much. What you've thought, what you've believed is too far. And God will not love you. Let me tell you, that's a lie. The blood of Christ is sufficient for you for forgiveness of your sins. In the broken body of Christ, it says, by his stripes, we are healed. There is healing in the broken body of Christ. So we have here in communion, healing and forgiveness. When we receive forgiveness, then we can have fellowship with each other. We can have fellowship with God. We can know that he loves us even though, and he can bring us out of darkness into light. And then we can experience healing, heart healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, Even physical healing. There are incredible, incredible parts of healing that God offers us. But don't miss the heart healing. Don't miss being able to walk out of a jaded life into the purity of God. So let's give thanks to the Lord for what he's done. Let's receive communion together if you have not already partaken Then we'll pray together, and then I'll open up the front for personal prayer. When it's time for personal prayer, just come on up, get prayer. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, get prayer. If you've got a lie you know you've been believing that you need to get free from, come up and get prayer. If you 
need to live by the truth, but something's been holding you back, come get prayer. But let's receive communion together first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, that the price is paid. It was a big price, but you saw us as worth it. And so we give you praise and we thank you for you valuing us enough to make this sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for heart healing, for spiritual healing, for emotional healing. We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness that we can receive and be made clean and that we can offer that is part of our healing. So, Lord, we will not take for granted what you've done and we will not forget and we honor you this morning. This is the body of Christ, which was broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise in this place. We honor you. Lord, we ask that your, uh, your hand would be upon each one of us. Lord, that you would give us peace, that you would give us joy, and that you would help us to know your love so fully that we have extra love to bring into this dark world and leave with whoever needs it. So, Lord, bless us in that way. In Jesus' name, amen.